Hey, this is Lewis Johnson taking my love of sports into the world of esports with my co-host Kyle Airy, and we're breaking down what's happening in the esports industry. We're talking with great guests, influencers, and most importantly, we want to talk to you. So welcome to All In with Esports. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of All In with Esports. I'm sliding solo today. That pun was intended. I'll explain in just a minute. But it is uh, another great opportunity to meet some cool people that are doing some very unique things uh, in the sporting world as well as gaming. And we're going to talk with them in just a minute. In my world of television, when you're busy with uh, different sports and uh, traveling around the country and around the world, dealing with different athletes, you oftentimes build longstanding relationships with people who are like the conduits in between you and the athlete. Usually they're like the PR folks or media relations or what have you. And that is surely true in the Olympic world because we may be able to see athletes at a particular uh, one-off event, one-on-one, face-to-face, no problem. But once you get to the trials and particularly the games, you really begin to get this separation between the media and the athletes. And so relationships with the right people are always the way to get to them when you need to find out a story or update something with an injury or what have you, or to get to practices and to see what's going on and to be prepared for those early important opportunities to communicate before you get to actual competition on the air, which is what you may see. So in the world of sliding sports, I've done 10 games. Half of them have been at the summer games, track and field. And then the other half have been at the winter games. And the last three winter games, I've been at the sliding sports, which is bobsled, luge, and skeleton. When I'm dealing with the luge athletes, there's a guy by the name of Sandy Calajor. I hope I said his name. I said it with an Italian accent, Sandy. I hope it got, got it. But he is the public relations manager person. He's been with them uh, a couple times, but on and off for several years. Sandy's a great guy, always facilitates our conversations and connections. And throughout the year, even when we're not competing or they're not competing, I get these updates. So I got an email from Sandy not long ago, and he was giving us an update on some new things happening at the uh, training center in Lake Placid. And I said, you know what? Let me check with him to see if there are any athletes up there who are involved with esports and gaming. And within 10 minutes, I got an email back, said, absolutely. So he uh, forwarded me a couple of names. And within a day or two, I got the reply from them. And uh, really cool to to welcome them right now. And and we're going to talk a lot about what they're doing and then get into esports. But here are two Olympic hopefuls for the world of luge. The Beijing Winter Games are in 2022, which I hope to be there as well, back at Sliding Sports. So I want you guys to welcome from the Olympic Training Center in Lake Placid, New York, Brittany Arndt and Johnny Gustafson. Guys, what is happening? How are you? Thanks for oh, having us. Yeah, what's going on? Thanks for having us. I'm doing great. Now, look, we're going to talk esports in a minute, but Johnny, you are like in an esports chair, and uh, Brittany, it looks like you have an esports headset on. So you guys are serious about this. Is that right? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> a little bit. Definitely have done a little bit of gaming in my time. A little bit. I, I think that's an understatement. It's so cool to, to see you guys um, here. And before we talk esports, uh, let's just give people a sense of where you are. So I've been up to the Olympic Training Center before in Lake Placid. That is very cool. Really unique place. But if I understand it correctly, you guys are in a bubble right now. Is that right? Can you explain what's happening? Yeah. Earlier this summer, in the springtime this year, the OTC was totally shut down and opened back up in July, I believe. And they put us in a bubble. So some athletes never left and a lot of us left to not be stuck here. But once they started allowing people back in, there's a quarantine process and like COVID testing and all of this stuff to be able to come in here and train 
somewhat normal. We have a little bit more restrictions. We have to wear masks around the training center unless Mm -hmm. we're eating or training. Can't really spend a lot of time with other people. We're not supposed to see people that are off site and Mm -hmm. our, our activities outside of the training center are limited. Yeah, Johnny, it sounds like you guys are, you, I guess the last big bubble we saw, it was the NBA bubble where the athletes were in Orlando there as they were complete, completing their season playoffs, of course, and the championships. What, what do you, how do you, how is it for you? What's the experience been like? Uh, probably not as strict as the NBA bubble. We, we are allowed out of the building for certain activities. We can get takeout food. We can go for hikes. If we have training outside, we can go do that. I actually just got back from playing golf with a couple other on-site people here. That's cool. So we're still allowed to do some things, but they have to be proved for us to go out. Gotcha. Sandy was telling me that you guys have just had a somewhere around a $5 million upgrade to your facilities. People will watch this or maybe even watch the games and they have no idea what life is like at the sliding center where you guys live and train. So give us a sense of, of the facilities and the dorms and then, you know, where the training facilities are and then describe the upgrades that have happened that are helping you, helping you guys get ready for that test to try and be a part of uh, the team in 22. Yeah. So at the OTPC, which is where we're at now, where we uh, live and eat and train, there's a cafeteria, there's a weight room facility, there's sports medicine, a gymnasium things like that. So we can do the bulk of our training here or, you know, weight training for the most part, along with the things in the gymnasium. Uh, and then for Luge specifically, we have what's called a start facility, which is what just got the the, uh, the big upgrade. And it's like a two minute walk from the training center, which is very nice. And there's four different ramps for us with different grades of steepness because each track, it's going to be different from the last. So we want to train on different types of grades and the start is just our very beginning first five seconds of the of the run for us and it just gives us a l- more time to train that and to really improve yeah Brittany, when you guys go out there i mean johnny said that the start is just the, the very beginning of it so this is where you would have your sled on the ice in that starting position and then you would begin to run and then jump on the sled and of course for those who are not familiar with it Losers are going feet first. I almost said the wrong thing. Almost this. Almost said the skeleton feet first. But then you're actually sitting on the on the sled and yeah. paddling out. So maybe you can explain that as I screwed it up. <laughs> yeah. So bobsled and skeleton they run next to their sled and then hop in yeah. with luge. As you said, we start sitting down mm-hmm. already on our sled. There's a set of handles set up for us to pull cool. off with. Like so, yep. yeah, you hold on and you rock back and forth and you pull yourself off. And we have gloves with these spikes on them. So yep. bobsled and skeleton, they wear spikes with their on their feet. Ours are on our fingertips and we paddle the ice. So the start is the only place on the track that we can actually make ourselves accelerate. Everything else is just up to good driving and stuff. So we, that's why we dedicate our entire summer to training our start. Yeah. So Johnny, when you think about that start and, and the strength you need to have in the upper body here, your hands and being able to power off those, I don't know how many times you, you, you slap the ice pulling yourself out, but how might some of that, that power and coordination and what have you translate into be able to gaming really well, being really effective with that controller in your hand. Is there any connection? 
I mean, our coaches joke around. Just sometimes. make it up if it's not, okay? <laughs> our coaches joke around sometimes because for us, forearm strength, upper body strength all have to be top tier. If you're holding a controller yeah. for a long time, your forearms can get sore if you're on the keyboard for a long time. Yeah. We have strong fingers and strong forearms, so we can game longer, I guess. See, I, I knew there was a way to work this out to make it true. Coordination, kind of. Right, exactly. <laughs> so let's touch on you guys, on your stories first, because uh, you guys didn't wake up one morning and you were luge athletes. Brittany, you were telling me when we talked before that you were not very good in sports and your family was really involved with soccer, but then you moved from Milwaukee to Park City, Utah. And what happened from there? How did, how did you find luge or how did it find you? I started school and I just made some friends that were involved in the sport. One of my best friend's older brother was on the national team at the time. And they pretty much said, Hey, you should try it. What, what could go wrong? And I was totally willing. It sounded fun. I, yeah, so I got involved with the Youth Sports Alliance in Park City and I did an after school program where we started directly on the ice in November or December. I can't remember. So we just after school went up and started sliding and I just loved it. I, mm. I couldn't get enough. Yeah, it sounds like it's a really cool thing. I've watched it so many times. I wonder about that early, those early steps. And Johnny, for you, if I'm not mistaken, you grew up about what was about an hour and a half north of Lake Placid. Yeah. And you've been a part of the you've been sliding since you were 12. I got on the team when I was 12. I guess I first got on a a sled of sorts when I was 11, uh, which I started with the uh, USA Lose Slider Search program, the White Castle Slider Search and they just USA Luge shows up to some place that lets them for some reason. And they set up on a hill with these little sleds with almost scooter wheels on them. Um, yep. And they're like, hey, any kids want to come try? You can do sledding in the summer. And I saw that when my friends was going. I was like, that sounds like a lot of fun. Why not have a fun little day trip out of it? Twelve years later, here I am. Yeah, that was the one thing that surprised me when I started covering your sport was this, this idea of a slider search. Where can people find out about that? Because in an earlier part of my life, I mean, I I was involved with track and field. In an earlier part of my life, I would have been like, man, I'd love to try something like that. And I've talked to quite a few track and field athletes who consider maybe a winter sport, maybe as something new to try. But where can any American who may watch this say, get involved with a slider sport and and, I'm sorry, a slider uh, test? And how does that happen? How do do you get information? So... We have the White Castle Slider Search and you can go to usaluge.org mm-hmm. and the information is on there. They This summer was a little bit weird. We only had a couple in the state of New York, but in a normal year, they would go all around the country with a U-Haul and a ramp full of sleds. So you can usually check out the dates there. They update it, I think, in the springtime with the cities they're going to and all of that. And I believe they take kids ages, is it nine to 12? It's nine to 13. Nine to 13. Okay. Come out and try it. It's free. It's There's usually two sessions a day. So there's four sessions in a weekend, I believe. And yeah, it's it's a really cool opportunity. We work them in the summer sometimes. And it's it's fun to see little kids so excited. Mm. So if you're working a slider search uh, event, what are you looking for, Johnny, and a kid that's that's trying it out? What kind of little things and tangibles are you looking for to say, hmm, you might be good? The most part we're looking for just a little bit of knack of being able to slide right away because we don't just do nothing going down the track as much as we like to joke around that we just lay there and take a nap. And steering the sled does take a little bit of skill. It's a little difficult. So when we're at it, we can 
after doing luge for however long we've been doing it, we can tell when somebody is really picking up how to drive the sled. And right. if they have that, that little knack and we can tell like they're working on it, or even if they're bad, they crash a couple of times, hit some hay bales in the beginning, and then they really keep are working at it and working hard and we see them improving. We're like, all right, he has, he or she has that ability mm-hmm. to improve. Okay, so now let's drill down even further because you said a couple of things which I'm familiar with somewhat because of being around you guys. Well, you talk about there's no there's no nap taking, okay? There is no nap taking when you're doing when you're on a sled. You talk about driving the sled, but let's keep it real. There are what 16, 17 curves somewhere in that nature. And then as you continue to move down the track, you're accelerating pretty fast. What's the top speed? How many G-forces? And then with the Kufins, is that right? Yep. That's correct. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. I still remember. <laughs> wow, that was advanced. <laughs> right, right. The, the coupons, which are on the front, you have your feet on them. That's how you're driving the sled. That and then with your body moves. Is that correct? Can you explain that, uh, Brittany? Yeah, it, that, you're exactly right. So there's a few ways to drive the sled. The main, our biggest drives in big curves, usually once you're t- towards the bottom of the track where you're going a lot faster, we yeah. drive mostly with our legs on the Kufins, which, yeah, those are those round horn type things that are steels or actual runners that are on the ice are attached to. Yeah, And smaller drives can be done with our handles they actually help move the sled a lot. They're not just to hold on. And then we can push down with our shoulders and roll our heads. And those drives you incorporate with the bigger leg drives, but also towards the top of the track where you're not going as fast, you can use those drives instead. That's cool. Man, I wish one of you guys had a sled in your room. We could show everybody what you're talking (laughs) about, but maybe next time we'll do that one for sure. So as you guys move into your career and uh, you're trying to deal with this this break and everything that's normal with COVID and what have you, how are you sort of keeping your sanity with this bubble you're in and with the training? And of course you've got, I'm sure on your calendar, when the trials will be for the 2022 winter games, looking backwards toward where you are now in the, in the world cup circuit, which I think we need to explain, how are you guys dealing with all this, all these dates, but there's so many question marks within these dates. I mean, really for the most part, just trying to be as ready as we can. They, I mean, summer training didn't take too big of a hit this year because of COVID. We started a little bit later than normal, probably a month, month and a half, maybe two months, depending on the person. But we're really just trying to do training as normal. And when they give us a date that we have to be ready for, we're just try and be as ready as we can on that day. If it changes, we just have to roll with the punches. Yeah. Yeah, there's only so much that we can do. I, I'm trying to keep cool and not not get too excited for things when we hear, oh, we're going to go here and train because I think all of us know that it could change tomorrow. It could change in an hour what's going to happen. So definitely going into the Olympics next year. And I mean, our qualifications start in March. I think that's what March, February, March for our national races. So I think, yeah, we're all just trying to be as ready as we can possibly be yeah. mentally and physically. Yeah, that is truly the key. I think back to my days in track and field when I went to the Olympic trials in 88. Were y'all born then? No. Okay. That's what I thought. <laughs> so <laughs> I went to the trials in 88 after finishing up my time in school in Cincinnati. And it was that summer I had a fateful conversation in a hotel uh, lobby in Indianapolis where I, I asked a buddy of mine, asked me what I was going to do. I was going to go back to university be an RA in the dorm, work on a class. And I said, what are you going to do? And he said, I'm going over to Europe to compete. I had no idea. I was at the Olympic trials. I had no idea. 
He showed me a book with all these different cities and all these competitions. I said, oh my God, how do I do that? So we went across town to another hotel and started talking to these meat organizers. And I got invited the next week I went to Brussels. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, that was a life game changer because I, I went to Europe that summer, 1988. And it was like my, my life was never the same. But when I got over there, it was like I wanted to experience more, travel, meet all these people, the cultures of competition. And television has been an extension of that life experience. Do you guys love the travel? And do you, do you love going to all these different countries to compete and tell people where you guys go to slide? For sure. Yeah. I mean, we, we, I think we all love to travel. We get, we take every opportunity that we can in our off time, but mostly we go to Europe. There's four tracks in Germany. There's one track in Austria. There's a track in Latvia, in Norway. There's a track in France that we don't, we don't go to usually. And then there's, there's a track in Pyeongchang in South Korea from the Olympics in 2018. It's up and down there. We hear the tracks close, the tracks open, and then they're building the track in Beijing. There's also tracks in the US, of course, Park City, Utah, Lake Placid, New York. And then there's one in Whistler in Canada. There was one in Calgary. Well, it is, it's there. It's not operational. They're working on getting the funding to do renovations. But yeah, so we go all over. But I think, I know Johnny loves to travel outside of just the same towns and cities we go to every year also. Well, Johnny, if you had to name a couple of spots that are your favorite places to go and slide and then hang out and enjoy and then other fun places to go, what where are those places? It's always such a hard question. I feel like I, I have this conversation. It doesn't have to be one. It can be, it can be many. I hate that. What's the one <laughs> thing? No. I think one of the top places is probably Koningsee, Germany. It's in Koningsee? The, okay. Yeah, it's in the Birches Garden area. And the track there is my favorite track in the world. It's so much fun to slide on. It's it feels amazing going down. It's beautiful there. Mm. So that's probably one of the top. I love I love going to Whistler, Whistler, Canada. Again, it's just you're up in the mountains. The track isn't my favorite there. It's, it's still fun. Like every track is fun. And um, it's one but, of the best places to go. Yeah, Whistler, the, Whistler is one of the best places yeah. to go. <laughs> yeah. It's the atmosphere there is just amazing. And I mean you're in you're in the mountains, the the food is awesome. The people there oh. are super nice. That's one of my favorite things about traveling is getting to try new food. Yeah. Um, so that's a great place to Those go. Those yeah. bacon Boston cream donuts. Where is that? There's a, what hotel is it in? I, I can't remember the hotel it's in the in upper the... village. It's called Portobello. Uh, it, it's fantastic. Please sponsor mm. me, maybe. I don't know. But Maple, bacon, Boston cream donut. Oh my God. They're amazing. We, let me tell you something. I like you guys. We work so hard in television covering the covering the Olympics, right? It, it's, it is a lot of work. But with the right people, you can have so much fun. And in Whistler, we had so much fun. We worked hard and we, well, I don't want to say we played hard because somebody would be calling me saying what happened up there. But <laughs> <laughs> we had a great time. We had a great time. That's for sure. Whistler is awesome. It's a great place to be. Yep, it is for sure. Let's move on. Let's let's dive a little bit into gaming. Brittany, you said it was funny. You said if you're not a gamer at the Olympic Training Center, you're in the minority. So it sounds like there are a lot of people who are gaming up there. So give us give me a sense of what you like to play. And then Johnny can tell me, give me his long list of stuff that he's involved with. (laughs) Yeah, I 
really love Destiny 2. Definitely my go-to. My boyfriend, who's a bobsledder, that's what we do. We like get on and play together at night. Mm -hmm. And we have our whole group of friends that we play with from all around the world. But I'm, I just finished Spider-Man, which was super fun. Getting into Genshin Impact. Johnny and I play Warzone together with a bunch of our teammates. And then people um, used to do luge when we were all kids mm -hmm. hanging out. But yeah, I, when it comes to Nintendo, Animal Crossing, for sure. It's It was a great quarantine game. To, it came out at the perfect time. Animal Crossing? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like comforting. It's, it's like Sims, but more cartoony and you got animals running around your island. Yeah, we actually recently had a Mario Kart tournament here at the training <laughs> center. Bra whole bracket system in the lobby. It was a lot wow. of fun. So we'll probably continue doing stuff like that, I think. But that yeah. is cool. That is cool. And Johnny, I think we need to figure out a way to get you guys, get one of your tournaments plugged into our, our network, our Map Esports Network. And maybe we can, we can um, air it or something like that across one of our channels and and I'll show what you guys are doing. And wouldn't that be cool? That'd be fun, it would right? Be so cool. That would be, that would be yeah. cool. Yeah. So what are you playing, man? Uh, I mean, it depends on the day. Me and my friends go back and forth as group. My friends, uh, all the friends I play with online, old loose friends like Bernie said and some other people that I know. Counter-Strike is a big one that we play. I was into Rocket League for a long time. Right now, I've been playing the, the Star Wars Squadrons game, which has been great. Um always down to play Super Smash Bros and Mario Kart and uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild I played through. Risk of Rain 2 is a game we recently played that we've beaten a couple times. Whatever we're in the mood for, honestly. <laughs> that sounds great. Who was telling me that in the evenings, if you walk down the hallway, you know, you could just hear people cheering at the same time from different rooms because they're all playing the same thing. Who, who said that? And yeah. what game are they playing? Was that you? Everyone is playing Warzone right now. Oh, okay. Warzone, that's the game, huh? Yeah. I mean, the Call of Duty, new Call of Duty game is coming out next month. So the beta and the alpha were just out. So that was a PlayStation exclusive. So people were in our my my room with Cody, my boyfriend, and all the bobsledders because everyone wanted to play and nobody has a PlayStation. <laughs> but yeah, everyone's playing Warzone. It's it's what everyone talks about at meals and there's a very few amount of people that don't play. So it's funny. They just have no idea what we're talking about half They're the time. They're missing out. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> now, Brittany, when you said you play not just with your friends here, but with people around the world, explain to me how you're connecting with other folks and are these fellow sliders or these are just people you connect with within the game how's yeah, that just like just through the game destiny has such a great community and we're in a clan so it's just like a group of people that all you get xp towards each other and to the clan and stuff so we have friends in south korea and australia and all over and it's so cool because you you meet these people online through a game and they're they're your friends and they're your friends for so long. I mean, my my boyfriend, he has people he's played with since he was 16 and he's wow. He's 26. And they're they're like real friends. You're friends with them on Instagram and you've never met them. That's cool. And that's all within the game for those that many years, huh? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like through Discord, everyone's always talking and yep. talking about everything. It's so cool. It's such a great community to be a part of. That's really neat. And Johnny, what about your connections with people that you've met with and, uh, and played around the world? I don't think I have as big of an outreach as Brittany. Uh, <laughs> most, of the, most of the people I play with are uh, 
people, uh, mostly in the U.S. Uh, a couple of them I've met only one time, maybe two. But the same thing, I've, I've been gaming with them for years and I would consider them really good friends because I talk to them almost every day. Even you just hop in our, our little Discord server that we have and maybe we'll play something or we'll just hang out. A lot of fun. That sounds cool. Hey, Brittany, what is Genshin Impact? You mentioned that before. Uh, describe that one. Yeah, it's a new, it's a free-to-play game, I think, across all platforms. And I don't know if it is, if it's cross, like, cross-play, but I I know it's free-to-play. And it's anime-type animation. And yeah, it's just, it's a lot of fun. It's, there's magic, there's swords. It's a lot like Breath of the Wild, but online with friends, it brings the worlds together. Hmm. That's cool. Guys, I was recently in Paris. My wife is from there. So we've spent a lot of time over our over our lifetimes there visiting family. And while I was there, I went out and I did a feature, shot a feature on the esports locations in Paris. They have a really big esports economy, a lot of people going, uh, playing and uh, a lot of money being spent. It was really cool to go through through town and see four or five different venues and just check up on things. One of the other interesting parts of it for me is because we know that Paris Summer Games will be hosted there in 24. So I'm wondering uh, for you guys, as you think about your world in Luge and, and how, you know, sports oftentimes can come parallel, will either are, are involved with the games or parallel to the games. What do you guys think of the implications for esports and the Olympic Games? How do you think it, the esports can either come alongside and go with it either every four years or all the time? Or what do you see might, there might be the connections there? hard ones we've we've talked a little bit about this i is mm-hmm. personally i love watching esports in general i'm a big fan of counter-strike and of rocket league and those are i would say those are my two big ones the league of legends world championship is going on right now but a lot of these different games i feel like have different viewership like different types of people watch different ones i don't know how big the overlap is between all of them and it would be cool if they could put something together, whereas there's a big tournament with all, all these different types of games, like the Olympics every four years. Personally, I, I don't know if I like them directly with the Olympics, but something parallel, I yeah, I would love. Yeah. Brittany, what do you think? Yeah, I kind of, I'm the same way. I, lo- I watch a lot of Call of Duty League and stuff. And I mean, first of all, they their prize money is... It makes our price money look like a joke. I think the the prize pool for the call, the championships for Call of Duty League a few weeks ago was like $5 million or something. It doesn't even compare to what you would win if you won a gold medal at the Olympics. Maybe with endorsements and everything, but that's not what you would win. And it's a tough subject, I think. Like, I people ask us about it because we, we're gamers, but I just... I I don't know. Should it be in the Olympics? Should it not be in the Olympics? I yeah. don't know. <laughs> yeah, so it is tough. Okay, so here's my thought. Clearly, any games of violence could never be associated with the Olympics, right? Because that would not meet the the pillars or the foundations of what the games are about. But there maybe could be some games that are created that could go alongside, it could be something that people might play not just in the city where you might be having esports venues and you can have sort of Olympic style tournaments even though you couldn't use those words because those words are protected as well as the rings. But you get what I'm saying? Like the X Games. Yeah, exactly. Something like that. I think that would be great. It would be cool to bring all of these different games together in one. That would be really cool. 
And maybe yeah. even a game that that mirrored each sport in the game, track and field, gymnastics, swimming, whatever it may be. There could be games that actually mirror that. And you could do those that that are healthy, wholesome games that people could play. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Would I mean, say they put esports in the Olympics, would they have something like Call of Duty League in that? <laughs> no, or is that I, too I, violent? I don't know? see that happening. And I don't mean I don't mean I don't I'm not saying something should be in the Olympics, but it could be happening at the same time. as Yeah. The yeah. Tournaments and things of that nature. Seem reasonable. I can see that. Yeah, Something that along those cool. lines. Something to think about when you guys are sitting up there at the OTC uh, looking for something to do. Hey, Johnny, Brittany, let's sit down here and design a couple of games. Why not? Make it pretty penny. I'm wondering this. If I came up there next week to see you guys, been told before that I was going to be allowed to go down the bobsled track or what have you at, at not in Lake Placid, but what's the other one in, in New York? Okay. Mm. And, and I was like a couple people away and never got my ride. And so how can I get a ride either or would I even want to take a ride as a luge athlete? Do you guys have like a starting point for visitors where they can actually get on and try going down a bit of ice on a sled? We do have a tourist star. I, I for this year, I have no idea how sliding is even going to be for us. What's the, the sanitation rules and everything that's going to be happening. We don't slide for another couple of weeks. Right. But um, in the future, maybe. But in the future, yeah, there is a tourist start, uh, which in the Lake Placid track, there's uh, 19 or 20 curves, depending on what sport you do. And by that, just like where the, the timing guy is, they don't take away a curve and put it back, depending on the sport. Right. Um, but for Luge, there's a tourist start where it's curve 12 you go into, and it only goes downhill for a little bit. And the final part of the track is uphill. But you still get going around 20, 30 miles an hour. You can do that. They also have a bobsled ride, um, which I think you can go from the top now. No, um, thank you. <laughs> Would have done that 20 years ago, but not now. <laughs> they do bump around a little in there. Yeah, know, so. exactly. Exactly. So now let me let me check you on something, John. You said you would I would start at slot at curve 12, right? And it would I would go down a little bit, pick up a little bit of speed. That right there to me is you saying it after going 70 or 80 miles an hour, just a little bit of speed. And I'm on there scared to death all of a sudden because this on ice you're going. Is it really that slow or really under control? How do I control it? We do tell you how to steer when we push you down. Exactly. People from other sports have tried lose. Uh, I think last year or two years ago, uh, Lauren Gibbs, a bobsledder, tried it. uh, And she was freaking out a little bit. She thought it was fast. She's used to going to the top just because it's something totally different. It does. De- it definitely does feel fast when you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. But you are in total control of the sled. So that's good. Are you sure that about makes that? you feel any better? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It looks so amazing. And, and again, your sport is one of those things where you can't really appreciate it by watching TV. You need to be at the track Next to the track, when that sled goes by at 70 or 80 miles an hour, it is unreal. And you guys are laying on that thing, (laughs) driving it. Would you guys do me a favor? I know your track very well, right? And uh, one of the things I always remember when I go to a warm-up area at at games and we're watching people and talking to them, you always see people standing there with their eyes closed doing this thing. When I first saw it, I'm like, "Uh, is this some kind of praying thing? Is this a seance? (laughs) Or what are they doing? And somebody had to tell me, no, they're actually visualizing the track. So you guys always visualize every curve. Is that right? Yeah, it's called a mind run. We usually walk the track. Like we have a very good idea of what the curves look like. We're in them, even though it's just a second, 
we know what it feels like after taking runs. And even if you go to a new track, you try to visualize it as much as you can before you go take your first run, because Mm -hmm. we usually have only a couple training runs before a world cup and you want to be as best prepared as you can. We, yeah, go close our eyes, go through it in our head. Some people are like really elaborate with their movements, with their hands. Other people don't do it. Like what? Like what? Come on. Show me. I mean, (laughs) like, a lot of like, yeah, like this. Yeah, yeah, that's, and, yeah. yeah it's like to get a feel for the curves and right. think about in your head what, what you're doing. But yeah. Right. Yeah, that's pretty cool. The mind run. That's right. That's what it is. Pretty neat. All right. At the time of this discussion, we are in mid-October. So give us a sense of the next major timelines for you guys as you work to make your first Olympic team, which will actually happen in 2022. What are you guys looking at date-wise and what are your hopes and dreams for those moments? I think the next big thing we're looking forward to is just the season in general for this year, which us as Team USA are not. For the most part, I believe we are going second half. There's still some debate going on and um, everything like that. Uh, But the big one for this year would be the World Championship, which is going to be in Koenigsegg, Germany. Okay. Um, And with that, if you do well there, you can pre-qualify for the team next year, just traveling team, not the Olympic team. We only can qualify for our Olympic team the year of the games, the season of the games. Okay. But you can qualify for a spot on the team for the next year. Okay. The and team so, that the team is picked from. Yeah. <laughs> the team that the that, team is picked from. Well, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah. So you qualify next year for the team that the Olympic team will be picked from eventually. And to make this first team, how many losers, male and female, will be picked? Three and three? I forget what it is. Well, so the Olympic team is three and three and four, three, right? Is it four men? It's three, three men, three Three women women. and two doubles. And two doubles. Okay. Yeah. We didn't even talked about that. Okay. (laughs) So yeah, like the, the national team for the next season that the, the Olympic team will come out of, I forget, is it 15 people normally? It depends. We have a really small team right now, actually, but Johnny and I were both in the the Olympic pool for the 2018 Olympics. So we got a taste of what that is already, but yeah. yeah. So then once you make that first team and then you'll vie for the top three spots, male and female for luge for the 2022 games and you will, that will be determined by that world cup season, which I think you said before was like four events before like the break. And then there are four more afterwards and then a world championship. Is that right? Yeah. So for, it'll be for the next season, which yeah. will also be, our Olympic season because uh, the Olympics will be in February, but we start in November, Um, February, 2022, November, 2021. So there will be four or five world cup events before Christmas from November and December of 2021. And those four or five events are where we pick our Olympic team. So you have to do well in those four or five events to qualify for the second half of the season, which will be about usually three races, three or four races, and then the Olympics. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that is a, that's a journey that I remember from my world of track and field very hard. We always say Team USA is the hardest team on the planet to make. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah? I, I would so. say. I, I, know I, mean, you guys, I know you guys slide against a lot of great Germans and Latvians yeah. and all, all those folks, but still, it's still hard here, right? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It takes a lot just to be where we are today. We both started, I was 12 when I started. So there's been a lot of people that I have slid with throughout my career that are 
nowhere to be found now. <laughs> wow. That's wild. That is really wild. So in the meantime, as you guys uh, move through all these important timelines and dates and dreams and hopes for your, your sporting life, you've got esports to keep you busy and keep you company. I hope we can stay in touch. I'm not sure when I'll actually see you guys live and in person at an event, but hopefully sometime soon. But in the meantime, I hope you guys just have a lot of fun, stay safe and healthy up there. And somehow I'm going to put somebody in touch with you guys. We're going to figure out how to maybe bring one of your OTC Olympic training center, uh, center tournaments to map esports network and maybe put you guys on map esports network or esports future ride TV and stream one of your tournaments. What do you guys think? Wouldn't that be fun? That would be awesome. I mean, yeah, yeah I would definitely be down for that. Yeah. Everyone and you know what we could do? We could maybe figure out a way to stream a tournament between you guys. And I'm sure that the Germans have uh, are into esports, maybe some of their sliders, some of the guys over that you guys and ladies you just slide against. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. I'd like yeah that. I'm trying to think if there's anybody that's really into gaming. <laughs> I bet you they are. I, 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 know, they are. I know I saw uh, Seven Pavlichenko. He's a Russian. He was playing in a mini Counter Strike tournament. Oh, so I bet he plays. You know, even yeah. if we did some Louis versus Bobsled here. Versus skeleton, we'd love that. Obviously, we've got to prove that loose. Okay, okay. <laughs> we need to figure out how to make that happen. That'd be yeah. great because I'm sure, I don't know why, but I'm sure the bobsledders talk the most, you know what. And so I'm not sure who's who's really the best at it, but who's got the best hand cord, hand-eye coordination. We could figure that well, out. Johnny won our Mario Kart tournament. So. Oh, you did? Okay. <laughs> there we go. So we're, we're going to figure out how to do a, an intra OTC uh, gaming tournament. And we're going to put it right here on Mappy Sports Television. That would be awesome. <laughs> Love that. All right. All right. Hey, guys, thank you so much for taking time to visit. The journey is unbelievable to be an Olympian. And I know I know that journey so well. And I just wish you guys the best. Stay healthy, safe, slide well. Say hello to everybody up there. And we'll be back in touch regarding some esports tournaments. And we're going to have some fun with that. Okay? Thank you so awesome. much. Yeah, thanks a lot, Lewis. You got it. Brittany and Johnny are on their way back to the sliding center at some point. So this is the kind of stuff we just love doing, visiting with people. And it's great for me to be able to take you into my world of Olympic sports and meeting, re-meeting some of these athletes and, and as they pursue their journey. I hope that you'll continue to check in on some of these episodes we're having to just take you on those journeys. We got a lot happening here at Mapping Sports TV. So make sure you check out our our magazines, of course, which are digital, of course, our different podcasts across the network, Esports Future ITV with all the original programming we have. And then the Power Players League teams have been snapped up and we're going to have a lot of great programming coming out of that. So until the next time, you guys take care. And this has been another edition of All In With Esports. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to All In With Esports. Please remember to subscribe to your favorite podcast channel, and we would love to hear from you about this or other shows on the Esports Future Eye Network.